All right, on this episode, we are talking big buck stories from this season and top five gear that you don't want to leave home without. Hey, I'm KJ, dedicated lifelong hunter here. If you got an interest in all things hunting, you're in the right spot. Whether chasing quail across the plains of Oklahoma or in pursuit of elk in the backcountry of British Columbia, you'll always find me on the hunt. You're not going to want to miss this one. This one is brought to you by Range Ready Studios and Smith & Wesson. All right, welcome in Gun Talk Hunters. I'm your host, KJ, and we are in for another exciting episode because what we've got here with us today is Aaron Olger of Hodgden Powders, and we've been shooting film over the last couple of days. They've got some new stuff coming out. I'm not going to dive exactly into that right now because Aaron, Aaron's kind of one of my go-to buddies during whitetail season. Um because I always had to bounce ideas off of him and I get to hear from him because he's hunting, man, you're hunting Kansas, you're hunting Missouri, you're hunting Arkansas. You hunt Arkansas, right? I have hunted Arkansas, yes. Yeah, but man, he hunts all over the place and man, welcome in. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. Well, it's awesome having you here. And, you know, we this season we kind of talked back and forth. This year's rut for me was a little bit different. It seemed like it was a, it was a little bit later than it normally is. Is are you seeing kind of the same thing in the Missouri area and everything else? Uh, I, for us, our rut occurred at the normal time, it, but it was not a normal rut. It yeah, it, it was it was weird. Um, we we saw a few good deer, but not nearly the deer that we expected. Right. Um, yes, we're in drought conditions uh, most of the places that I hunt in Missouri, so I I expected. Uh, that to impact us a little bit, but yeah. I, I was surprised at at the lack of big deer that we did not see this year. My gosh, see, I'm this, my Facebook feed. I'll tell you this much: it says a lot different. It's uh, like everybody's <laughs> killing big deer except me and you. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. Like, I guess that's just the you know people are proud of their deer, and that's great. And man, post away. I love seeing it. I love seeing success, but I love seeing my friends have success even more. And I was. You told me a story about this just giant buck that you saw that it just didn't pan out. Yeah, I, well, I was hunting Kansas, so my brother and I hunt together in Kansas, and it's something that I look forward to every year, uh, just being able to get out and uh, spend time with my brother. We have a really a really neat area that we hunt in Kansas, and um, I've been hunting it now for 10 or 12 seasons. Yeah. Really uh, a, a, an interesting spot. I'm going to see a lot of deer, and some of those deer are going to be giants. We've shot, oh, let's say three really nice deer in the last five years on this on this place. And um, that's exciting. That's why you go, right? We, we've seen right. some big deer. But this year, I saw the biggest deer I've ever seen in person in the field. <laughs> he, he was a giant, and uh, yeah, that was... That was an interesting, uh, interesting day. Anytime, like I hear someone say it's the biggest deer I've seen on hoof, I'm kind of like, man, I've got a great story for that. So me and my buddy, we set up a new. It was a darkwoods blind. It's a, one of those big, you know, like it looks like a giant portage on. Mm -hmm. Is what it looks like. Uh, beautiful blinds. Um, it's now laying on its side in a field somewhere because the Oklahoma wind is harsh on blinds. Right, um, but. We're sitting in there. We have just set it up, and it was a right across the fence. So we were our plan was to ambush deer right before they got to the feeding field, and so man, deer were coming through, coming through, and then all of a sudden, I look out into the field. And I'm like, "How did he slip by? Biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof." And I'm I'm at that point, 
it was young in my career of of hunting and everything but it was i'm guessing he's probably a 180 something like that like a legit like you know man come on like just cross the fence just for a brief second but the problem was was we had archery equipment we didn't because it was during youth season so it was during youth season we were hunting archery and we were just like all we can do is watch and i'm sitting there even with knowing i'm not taking like a shot like i have the camera and i am shaking like a leaf like i'm just shaking i'm just like oh my gosh this is this is so cool like when you see a deer of that size always amazing it is i had almost the exact same experience i uh i'm hunting this big draw i'm on the side of the draw on a platform that has a redneck blind Mm -hmm. on top um i don't know if you've ever hunted in a redneck blind that's my favorite experience um I think that the guys making redneck blinds really have it dialed in for whitetail hunters. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a redneck blind. I have my rifle set up on an arca rail on a tripod. I have another tripod set up with a spotter for those deer that are really long way away and want to get a better look at. So and you just those are the deer that you like to dream about <laughs> way over right. there. <laughs> and the, the most important thing in Kansas. Um, is you got to have a heater with you, right? So <laughs> the fact that you're hunting in a blind lets you uh, wait. Lets is this hunting or is this glamping? Yeah, it, it was pretty. Uh, it's a pretty bougie experience, <laughs> yeah. I guess I would say. I love but, it. So I'm I'm looking out middle of the day. It's uh, 130, something like that, and uh, we're we're doing daylight to dark sets, yeah. right? So I go out there and do. I, I go in in the dark. I come out in the dark, and I've been there all half the day now, and this is on day two or three of the hunt, and uh, I, I'm looking down about 200 yards away and uh, a doe comes out in this little bitty green yeah. field. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I have my binoculars up just looking at her and behind her, a just a giant stands up. Now there was a lot of trees and stuff laid over and so it was car- hard to see in there. But when he stood up, um, I, I've seen big deer. I'm a deer hunter. Oh, yeah. I, I love whitetail hunting. I've hunted Kansas now for a long time. I'd like to say that I'm used to hunting yeah. big deer and I completely fell to pieces, right? <laughs> I, I could barely keep my binos up. I, I couldn't figure out what to do next. I was trying oh. to decide if I should get a hold of my spotter so I can see him better. He's walking away. He was in sight for maybe three, three and a half seconds. So it was so oh, quick, but doesn't matter. You still have that image. Absolutely. And, and they you always... know, every deer looks bigger from behind, right? When yeah. you're walking away, but this deer was an absolute giant. So so he my, looked even bigger walking did. away. My brother's asking me, you know, that night, so how big was he? How many inches? And I said, literally, my brain stopped working. Like, normally I can look at oh, yeah. and, you know, you do the quick calculations on time length and everything and yeah. add a base of 80 or 90 or whatever you use. I could not do simple math. You know, I could not add 10 and a 9 and an 8 <laughs> together. I just, it would not work in my mind. So oh, he, he was a gosh. cool deer, though. That's, I mean, I, we were talking last night at dinner too. the one that I walked, like literally lot walked within 15 feet of 15 feet walked and I got sat down and I looked back and he stood up and that was another, probably, probably one of the top three deer I've ever seen in my life. And I walked within 15 feet of him, never knew he was there. And this is in like open CRP grass and they, I mean, they just get good at hiding and they just, they're that's their element. You know, they know that property. They know where, like we're hunting in on their terms. Right. Basically. I mean, so you like the redneck blinds? Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the redneck blinds, you know, just being able to have that 
you know, blind that's there um, on a permanent basis. Yeah. Um, now, this one, I was hunting out of a redneck ghillie, so it's a steel frame. And then okay. I come in a couple of days before the season and put the exterior on it. But it that exterior has a windproof liner. And so yeah. that's the big thing in Kansas. You got to yeah. keep the wind off, right? Yeah. And so just having that there and, you know, it really wasn't that cold this yeah. year. It got down into the, you know, low 30s. But that's that's not, that's bad, not bad for Kansas. That's not bad for Kansas at all. Like I'd take, I'd take that in Oklahoma any day. But, man, it, you're right. It's that wind that cuts through. It's, it's almost unbearable to, like, do an efficient sit. It is. Um, and then, like, that goes for clothing, too. I don't know what clothing you're rocking these days, but, like, windstopper fabrics, like, those are essential in late-season hunts. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Sitka and have been yeah. f- almost since day one. I, I think I was probably among the first Sitka customers. I was working really? for a, an outdoor internet and catalog retailer, so I got, you know, early access to Sitka yeah. and bought my first um, clothing from them, I think, in year one when they launched. And uh, their fanatic system that came out several yes. years ago, I'm a big fan of that. Now, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not a Sitka fanboy. I right. uh, Predominantly, when I'm hunting out west, for some reason, I've picked up some Kuyu pieces, yeah. and I like those. The Cabela's wool system that Wool-tumate. they had. Wooltimate. Yeah. from 10 years ago or so. I still I use a jacket and a vest there. Yeah. So, you know, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes yeah. to gear. I want stuff that works. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty notorious in deer camp that none of my camo matches, and I'm okay good with for that. you. But, like, um, I have no issues with that. Now, it doesn't matter. It does most of mine match some of the times, yeah. But I'm trying to, like, really, I try to match like what the earth tones are doing. Right. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not. It's not. I grabbed one piece and then the other. Like, I'm actually there. There is thought in there. There is, but you know, that's a whole other way of thinking when you're in a blind, right? It really doesn't oh, gosh, matter yeah, it doesn't what matter. you're wearing because they're not going to see you. Yeah. You don't. So is it the redneck blind? Like, is it outlined in black? So would a black not be better to wear? It, it like certainly solid would. Solid black colors it or something. It certainly would. But, you know, I'm up on a big bluff. I say a bluff, a, yeah. the side of a draw, and I'm looking down predominantly. And because of where I am, you know, they're going to see my hat, oh, yeah. if anything. And as long as you're not moving around, they're not going to yeah. notice you. That's 90% of it for sure. So when we get back from this break, we're going to talk the top five pieces of gear Aaron Olger doesn't leave home without. All right, we're back with special guest Aaron Olger of Hodgson Powders, and we're talking, you know, big buck stories at first, but now we're going to switch over to kind of gear because I'm kind of a gear nerd. Um, Aaron, five pieces of gear this season, because I know we always have that stuff in the pack, but is there anything new and in your pack that you would not leave home without? Good question. Uh, Let me think that through for a second. So, um, you know, I think when you're out there, 
I'm probably just like every other hunter. Every now and then you forget something on the way to the deer stand or your blind All the time. or whatever, right? And so oh, yeah. there, are, there are hunt killers, right? Yeah. Um, but as long as you have your rifle or your bow, whatever you're looking for right. there. I, I did get a new rifle this year. Um, I had George Gardner at GA Precision build me a new rifle last year, and this was my first year using it. Um, did he and, get to eat this year? Uh, no. Um, I, I'm sorry. Yes, he did. Uh, so this was I, – I got it last year. And okay. did not, gotcha. um and did not have it set up in time for season. That's um, right. But I did had it – I had it uh, dialed in by the end of season last year and then hunted with it this year, yeah. and I did shoot a deer in Missouri. Now, it's in a 300 short mag cartridge. Okay. So predominantly, yeah. I built it as a Western hunting rifle, okay. but I really wanted to hunt with it this year, so I did I did hunt with it in Missouri. So why, why go with the short mag? So when I was looking at, when I was kind of designing this in my head after my last elk hunt uh, out in Montana, I, I was coming back from the trip and actually called George and was kind of telling him about this trip and and saying, I think I need to build a new rifle. And he was saying, well, well, what action do you want? And what barrel do you want? And what stock would you want? And what else would you want on it? Like, you know, I wanted flush cups and, right. and um, Arca rail on it. And and so we kind of laid all that out. And then George said, let's just let me build the gun for you. And so I said, <laughs> okay, go ahead and build the gun. That's the, gotta be the, rough. The biggest thing we were trying to figure out was, uh, or I was trying to figure out, I wanted to figure out what caliber I wanted it in. Right. And, I looked at several different calibers, and this was when I was talking to him. Would have been right before the seven PRC was introduced. That's probably what I would have done if I okay. if I could have done it over. But um, I, I wanted a thirty caliber. I like I like I like thirty calibers. I like um, the bullet choices that you have there. Right. I wanted something that that had a little bit of oomph. I'm I am recoil sensitive, right? You know, oh so, yeah. Most you know, people are, and they most people think they aren't. But they really kind of yeah, are. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't love recoil, but I'm shooting it with a suppressor and, um, you know, b- good bullet choices. And and so that that seems to work pretty well yeah. for me. I, I've gotten really comfortable. I probably have, I don't know, three or 400 rounds through that rifle yeah. since I got it put together a year and a half ago. Okay. So I've shot it a fair amount. I'm pretty comfortable with it now. And, um, you know, recoil on that's pretty manageable. And so, yeah, I did. I did shoot a. Uh, I shot a whitetail with that uh, with that gun in Missouri this year. Really, that's awesome. All right, a couple more. So, I would say the rifle's the big thing. You know, certainly optics are a big piece of that. I'm a big Leupold fan, so I'm sh- I'm shooting a BX5, the three to fifteen mil base reticle. Um, that scope was new to put on this gun, um, so that's probably two. I, I would say I don't know how to rate this. Um, well, I back back up the redneck blind, and <laughs> yes. I, I have a hard time bypassing that. You know, I yeah, I um, in, in talking with and listening, I'm a big fan of the Drury's podcast, yeah. and in talking with Matt uh, Drury, you know, they hunt, they've kind of dialed in and figured out how to hunt blinds, and I I do like that, especially when it's yeah. in you know when it's a little bit colder. There's nothing like a heater when you're my age, so I appreciate that, <laughs> yeah. but. I, I do like being in a deer stand too. Yeah. The thing, the knock against blinds are you can't really hear what's going on, and it's right. almost like you're an observer rather than a participant, right? Yeah. So I, I like being in a deer stand, and so for me, whether you're in a deer stand or a blind, the the type is is pretty important, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm probably going to spend a little bit more money to make sure that I have the right gear there, yeah. and so I've kind of dialed into I like Millennium stands quite a bit, yep. and so either a Millennium stand or a Redneck. 
um, is probably a piece of gear that I can't live without now. And you got to be comfortable if you, especially if you're sitting, you know, sun up to sun down. Yeah. Like if, if you're doing that, you better be comfortable. Absolutely. And bring extra, uh, butane or propane. <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, unless it's super, super cold, right? right. So, you know, if it's down in the low thirties, I rarely turn it know, on. I'm, I'm pretty much okay without it. In fact, I did go ahead and take my fanatic system out to Kansas with me a couple of weeks ago. And I never even put my bibs really? or jacket on. I was just in a, I had a Beretta wool sweater. Yeah. And then I had a, that wool Cabela's wool vest over yeah. that. And I was comfortable the whole week. I so never needed more. With your, uh, with that, that fanatic system. Now that is like, how does that, that can't do well with stickers. Yeah, you got to be really careful. Yeah, you got to be really careful about where you're walking with that. But I never, um, you know, I I tend to be fairly hot blooded, right? um, And so I'm going to warm up really quickly. And so for me, I always strap. uh, I will basically walk out in my base layers to wherever I'm going, and I don't I don't ride a side by side or anything like that. I walk where I'm going. And so I strap all that stuff on my pack and then I get yeah. dressed at the base of the tree. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm never really in that stuff doesn't really get worn that much because the only time I'm in it is when I'm in a tree stand. When you're in a tree stand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say that fanatic system is probably my last thing that I can't yeah. live without now. Um, you know, like I said, I I've been a big fanatic or I've been a big Sitka user since day right. one. And the the two other guys that I hunt with, um, I kind of got one of them sold on on Sitka. In fact, he should probably get a commission from Sitka now. I, oh, I really? literally think that um, my buddy Matt Harris has every Sitka skew that they offer right now. He <laughs> That's is pretty uh, good. I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast because his wife might listen. But um, yeah, Matt Harris has every single skew I think that Sitka offers. That's impressive. And, and he's my go-to resource, right? Yeah. I know some of those Sitka guys, but... Um, you know, now I call I call my buddy Harris, and he tells me exactly. Okay, so for this temperature, you need to have all of this right. gear that you're wearing. So he recommended the the fanatic system. I don't know year before last, maybe, yeah. and I got it, and it, it is a game changer. It, is. it doesn't matter how cold it is; the system's going to keep you warm as long as you're wearing the right stuff with yeah. it. Yeah, and that's all. That's all that matters, really. I mean, that's you got to wear the right stuff. So. Um, man, you got to get on the road. You got to get, you got to head out here. So I'm actually going to cut this short. I hate to do that. Um, but man, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Been uh, fun. Yeah. All you gun talk hunters out there, you know, the drill, keep those muzzles pointed in a safe direction and always be on the hunt.